Good morning. It is the 14th. of September 2018 and it is oh sometime after 10 10 21 I had an appointment with the Michigan Secretary of State to get a Michigan driver's license and got that handled taken care of so now I'm considered a resident of Michigan when they were taking my picture for the ID, my driver's license, I wanted to do kind of a surprised face, kind of wide eyes and mouth slightly open. So they're like, ah, like you just kind of spooked me. But not, not, not scared, just kind of like, ah, like, I don't know what, what kind of reaction that would be. Sort of like, oh no, I kind of, I, I spilled some iced coffee on my lap. Ah. Oh no, a squirrel just crossed the road. Ah. But not like, oh God, oh, a deer jumped in front of my car and smashed me. Not, not that, not that. Just sort of a, a slight surprise. Going, ah, oh, oh, ah. oh you, you caught me while I was looking at this weird website. Now I have to do some explaining. That's uh, not what you think. It's not bad. It's just, ugh, this is kind of awkward. Um, that kind of a face. Ah. And so I, I, I'm standing, she goes, okay, I'm going to count to three, look at this little blue dot, all right, three, or I'm going to count down, whatever, three, two, one, and then right, right at one, I just kind of, ah, <laughs> do the little face and boop, takes the picture. And she goes, okay, no, that, that's not going to work. All right, let's try this again. And then she goes, three, two, one, and ah, I try to do it a little bit, a little bit less, a little more subdued. <laughs> And she, she pauses, she just kind of looks at it, looks at me and she goes, okay, now I'm, am I catching you in that? Or are you trying to do that? And I just like, ah, I, yeah, try, <laughs> I, just, I don't remember what I said. I was just kind of like, I'm not sure <laughs> because I, well, honestly, I guess I was trying to do that, but whatever, I, I guess I should have just said that. Yeah, I'm trying to do that. Um, she wasn't having it. And so I was like, okay, all right, I'm not gonna do this again, so on the third time I, I was actually chuckling so it was very easy for me to turn it into a, a genuine smile because it was quite amusing <laughs> I thought I hope this isn't too loud I'm right next to the 696 so it might be rather noisy I don't know walking on 10 mile next to 696 the south side of 690 or the south side of 10 mile coming up i'll soon be along the zoo but right now i believe i'm along a um i guess it's just a neighborhood on the north side soon it'll be a a golf course and then the zoo and then i'll be home the thing i wanted to talk about today the, the question I want to ask is what is it I'm not sure how to ask this question actually but I'll, I'll just try it what is it about being a child being younger and I don't even know if that's really what what it's associated with but for me that's what I, I associated it with and what it is is the joy of learning 
it's not even it's not even exactly the joy of learning that I'm trying to that I'm, I'm questioning here because I still find joy in learning what I don't find anymore and what doesn't happen to me these days and it's kind of a feeling that I've been looking for and yearning for is a feeling that I was reminded by uh, in my conversation with Dimitri. He was talking to me about his Rubik's Cube and how he was, I believe, I believe what he told me was he was he was in the mall, he saw one, he thought, boy, that'd be really cool if I if I could solve that. And so he, he purchased the Rubik's Cube and um, I think he said his dad gave him the algorithms and he wrote them all down, figured it out, just practiced. He said that it, there, he, he, his words were, from what I recall, was there was nothing that he's ever been more driven to try and solve and, and uh, never something that he's wanted to, to accomplish more than that. And I know what that feeling is like, that, that all-consuming feeling of, I want to learn this thing or figure this thing out or know more about this thing. Um, it's similar, but not quite the same to something that I have felt when I've played video games. I remember when I was really into World of Warcraft for a little while, probably maybe a, a year or so long, it seemed like I saw World of Warcraft in everything. I remember seeing license plates with, with letters in them, and I would see the names of uh, dungeons in the license plate. So what I mean by this is, in World of Warcraft, there in World of Warcraft there are many different what are called instances. So you, the whole world is shared except these instances where when you go in there, it's just you and the group that you've gone in there with. It might be a cave dungeon. It might be a castle. It might be some dragon, something or another in the side of a mountain. And I know one of them was called. BRD, and I believe that stood for Blackrock Downs. So if you're looking for a group, you might say LFG, looking for group, um, or LFP, or, yeah, I think it was LFG, looking for group, looking for party. Um, or you might do looking for one member, so LF, the number one, M, priest, or LF, one M, druid, or whatever you're looking for, warrior, tank, or something like that. You might just say tank. Um, BRD, Black Rock Down. So LF1M tank BRD would mean you've got a group already. All you need is one member. You just need one person for your your party and you'll be off and you'll be good to go. I, I remember doing that many times, looking for groups, looking for parties. It's not really a thing anymore because um, WoW implement, or Blizzard, I should say, the game didn't do anything, but Blizzard implemented a system where you could automatically search, get in a queue, and once the right members were found, just puts you all right there and you're good to go, which is pretty pretty sweet compared to how you have to do it before. You spend a lot of time just sitting in cities and spamming, and if, if somebody wasn't looking for a group right then, then you're not going to find it, whereas now you can be anywhere in the world and sign up for a, a group. The point that I'm trying to get here I went off on this stupid story that has no worth at all. 
a very little besides contextual worth. Now you understand what I'm talking about a little bit better, I guess. So it's not entirely worthless. Anyhow, when I would see a license plate with BRD, which wasn't common, but I, I remember this specific thing happening. I thought, ah, look at that, it's BRD, it's Black Rock Downs. Um, for a little while, my, my wife and I were planning a around-the-country bike tour trip. We were going to bike all 48 contiguous United States. So all the way from Washington State down into California, all the way across to Florida, up to Maine, and everything in between. That's not exactly the path that we were going to go. It was this long, windy, roundabout path that took us into every state. And then after that, I was paying attention to rock climbing a fair bit. And after that, I was paying attention to jujitsu and, and mixed martial arts. And for a little while, I was intending to get in the amateur circuit of mixed martial arts. Um, for a little while, I was really into firearms, guns, buying and selling them when that was still kind of the wild west of the internet in, in Washington State before you had to go through a, a federally uh, licensed dealer, firearm licensed dealer. Before before that passed back in 2000 and I don't know, I want to say 15 or 16, before that law was passed where you had to go through that, the proper channels, there was no regulation. It was just, if you had a gun and you want to sell it, it's no difference than selling a your toaster on Craigslist. You just put it up there and there you go. Admittedly, you couldn't do it on Craigslist because Craigslist had their own policy against firearms. They probably just said, look, we don't want to have anything to do with this. What happens if somebody buys a pistol and in anger, the whole reason, like, oh, I'm so mad at my, my boss and I've just had it with him. Now I'm going to buy a pistol off Craigslist. You go on Craigslist and then you go into your, the subway where you work and you're super mad and you go and you shoot your boss. And, oh, well, I bought it off Craigslist. If, oh, it was Craigslist's fault. They shouldn't have made it so easily accessible and then Craigslist has pulled us into some litigation and they just ugh, they don't want to deal with it even with that said I did sell a rifle on Craigslist I posted it and somebody had found it and spotted it and contacted me before it got taken down so there it, 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 it can happen or it could they might have better uh, vetting source or ways to watch for that now bots or various algorithms and things that check for words and I don't, I don't know anyhow I haven't tried to do it since that time but there's a, there was or there is I should say another website armslist.com or .org or net or whatever and buying and selling on there it was just a free for all I bought pistols, sold pistols, bought rifles, sold rifles, traded pistols for, for, for rifles with extra cash, traded this for that, all over the place. It was a lot of fun. I never once felt that I was in danger. I always did my, my swaps, my trades in, in public areas, or public enough, you know, it'd be somebody's, the back of their car in a McDonald's parking lot or something. So it's not like, oh, look at this gun. Here you go, and here's $500. It wasn't super obvious. You careful about it. 
the reason I'm mentioning all this is when I did those things, the rock climbing, when I was going with, with Vera to Stone Gardens in, in Seattle, or bike stuff, I was really paying attention to things in those specific realms. The bike stuff, I was learning about bikes. In the gun realm, I was really learning about guns. But then it would reach a point where I sort of, okay, what am I doing with this? So now, now what? And I'm glad I learned the things that I learned, but I haven't really, I haven't really stuck with any one thing throughout my life. There are very few things that I've really stuck with. Most recently, the thing that I've, I've been, I, I guess it's something that I've been doing is, is learning to write with my, my left hand. And I'm pretty dang good with it. I've been doing this for coming up on a year now. I started last November or so. And I don't always write with my, my left hand, but I can use my left hand about as good as my right hand. If my right hand is my 100% capable hand, my left hand, I'd say, is in the 70 to 80% range. It's not quite as fast. It's not quite as clear. It's a hell of a lot better than it was a year ago. That's for damn sure. That's, that's not even questionable. Um, because I really, I thought, you know, it'd be, that'd be a good thing to know how to do. Be able to write with my, my right hand and my left hand about as good as each other. Because what, what happens if I break my, my, my arm, my right arm, and I can't use it? I don't want to have the time where I'm forced to use my left hand be the time where I'm first learning how to use it. That doesn't make a whole lot of sense. I'd like to be prepared for that moment if and when it comes. I'm not hoping that I break my right hand so that I am forced to use my left hand, not in the least. I really would like to go without breaking any of my hands or anything at all. But that's not why you get prepared or pay attention or learn something. I own a Rubik's Cube and I had a similar thought to Dimit as Dimitri that it would be neat to learn how to do it, but I didn't have and have yet to get that drive that he got. It, it sat on a desk for probably three or four months before I even touched the thing. I mean, not, not counting the very first time that I got and kind of dabbled around with it and looked at it and was like, whatever. And I knew and have known the whole time that learning the skill, acquiring the skill to solve the Rubik's Cube is something that I could do, but I just haven't done it. There's, there's, there isn't that drive, that, that insatiable hunger. That's a, better, that's a better way to put it. And, and I haven't been hungry, 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 hungry hippos for anything. I, I, in years, the only thing that has been different about that is my wife and getting her to be a part of my life. When I first met her, I was enamored with her and I'm not going to go into that whole story, but leading up to us becoming a couple, I definitely was very much consumed with, with thinking of her and, and, and just dwelling on the thought of being with her and looking forward to the next time that I saw her. Um, she and I worked at Whole Foods. That's, that's, where we, that's where we met. And when she would be working, I'd know that she was working because I had 
I'd have a, a, a printout of, of her schedule and she would have one of mine so we knew when we would be seeing each other again. And I'd come in to work and she'd be there at the cash register and she'd be looking up and you know probably look it up multiple times around the time. Oh, he's, he's coming in at, 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 at 10 and, or vice versa. I'm, I'm sitting there, I'm waiting. I know that she starts work at noon and has the closing shift. So I look up every time I see movement over there. I check the time and oh, it's getting closer, it's getting closer. I look up, I look up, and I can't check my phone because I'm at the cash register, and I don't know if, when exactly she's going to be there. And then I see the, sil- the silhouette of her out of the, the periphery of my eye, and there she is. She's coming down the stairs from the cafe. I look up, and I smile, and she sme- sees me, and we catch each other's eyes, and our both of our insides kind of do a little flip-flop, jump for joys. I was looking forward to that moment all day long, looking forward to talking to her and saying hi and you know, maybe she comes over and bags for me a little, a, little, a little while if I'm cashiering or vice versa maybe we catch a word in the hallway as we pass each other or I would write a little note something that I would commonly do especially when I worked at, at Whole Foods but even ongoing into when I worked at uh, at the hardware store was little rolls of paper the 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 money that let me try that again coins come in rolls paper rolls and so very commonly throughout a shift you're having to crack open another roll of quarters or a roll of dimes or pennies or whatever usually not pennies usually it was nickels quarters were a pretty common one dimes occasionally i'd say nickels nickels and uh and quarters were the most common pennies occasionally try not to use pennies just round up or down if it was a couple pennies or sometimes people would leave a couple pennies so just take one to round it up or they'd leave their pennies whatever I guess I'd have to give them pennies for them to leave their pennies but I would take those pieces of paper I wouldn't break the rolls I would open up the ends and push the quarters out or the, the coins whatever whatever coins they happen to be push them out and then unfurl that roll of paper flatten it out a little bit straighten it out and then I would write her a note on that bit of paper just something like hey I've been thinking about you it's, it's nice to see you usually my, my handwriting was pretty small so it wasn't a short note it was I don't know I'd say the length of two tweets so what is that 500-ish characters so I don't know 150 words or so maybe maybe not nah 150 words that's probably not that probably more like 70 ish words if I was really small with my handwriting somewhere between 40 and 70 words say something like that enough to get a few sentences in there you know hey I've been thinking about you it's nice to see you I I really like how you did your hair today whatever something some sort of complimentary thing that I've been thinking about her blah 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 and then I would tuck that, that note, if I went on a bathroom break or something, or if I was going on a lunch break, I would tuck that note into her locker, the little slit. I'm not really sure why lockers have slits in them. Maybe because people put food in there and they would just get super nasty if it couldn't breathe, or maybe it's because lockers are designed to be in locker rooms and if you've got your sweaty clothes in there, you don't want it just getting super muggy and really nasty in there. I suppose there's a lot of really good reasons to have slits in there. But I'd take that note, I would stick it into stick it into her, her locker, fold it up, 
pop it into her locker through that little those three little slats that are cut into the front of the, the locker. But the question that I'm I'm wondering here is why haven't I had a hunger to learn a thing or to do a thing? I dabbled around with Duolingo to try and learn some Spanish, but there wasn't really the hunger there. It was sort of like, oh, I'm doing this thing because it seems like it'd be useful, but I don't really care. I, I don't have that hunger to learn or to achieve something or to better myself in any capacity, and I don't like that. I don't like it at all. And I'm wondering, can I... Is there a way that I could manufacture that hunger? That I could kind of... I don't want to say fake it until I make it, but since I don't have a better thing to say, that's what I'll say. Fake the hunger until I... Until the hunger becomes real. And now now that I'm saying this as I'm saying it, if I'm going to associate the hunger that somebody has to learn something, the hunger that I don't have to learn how to do the Rubik's Cube that is sitting on my kitchen table. I don't have the hunger to learn how to do that. How do I change that? How do I change it so that I do have the hunger to do that? Well, how do you get hungry to do anything? How do you, how, like, what makes you hungry? What makes you hungry is not having had food. If I haven't eaten in 12 hours, my stomach starts to get a little bit grumbly. If I haven't eaten in 24 hours, now it's getting a little bit grumpy. Hey, what's going on here? Why aren't we eating? If I go 48 hours, or let's say I tried to push it to 72 hours, I certainly could. If there was, say, $100,000 on the line, hell, if there was $5,000 on the line or $1,000 on the line. I could certainly go 72 hours without eating any food, just water. I wouldn't be in the most comfortable position, but I could certainly do it. Vera and I fast once every, every week. We do intermittent fasting where we're not eating past... Usually Vera isn't eating past 4 p.m. or so as far as I know. I don't eat much past 6 usually. Sometimes that changes. I might have a bite of something, but usually not. Um, And then I'm not eating again until we have breakfast in the morning, which is usually sometime around 6 in the morning. I don't have a a snack before I go to bed. I don't have any... After after I have that final later lunch, early dinner, whatever you want to call it, I don't eat again. That's just... That's it. I'm done. Done for the day. I don't have I don't have anything. I don't have I mean I'll have water, but that's it. I'm not having ice cream, not having a, a, a sandwich, I'm not not having some crackers, I'm not having some celery with hummus. I don't need to list all the things that I'm having. All I'll say is I'm having water and that's it. And by the time I'm about ready to have breakfast, my stomach is usually ready to have some food in it again. It's getting kind of hungry. So what could I do, or is there anything that I could do, to become hungry for a skill? To become truly, actually hungry to learn 
how to complete a Rubik's Cube, to learn how to speak, maybe not fluent, excellent Spanish, but passable Spanish so that I could ask, hey, how do I get to the bathroom? Or do you sell sandwiches to eat here? Or you know, just something where I could get by if I were to go to Mexico. How do I get hungry for that? Or even more than any of that, how do I become hungry to really learn the, the, the components and the keys and the, the skills necessary to become an excellent writer? Because it's not that you're born with it or you're not born with it. That's, that's not true. I don't believe that for anything. My mom would talk about how God has given you a talent and, oh, you're, you're, you have a talent for this or people have talents for various things. So let's say we saw graffiti. She would say, oh, it's, it's such a shame that they're using their, their God-gifted talent of, God-gifted artistic talents for something illegal and wrong and indestructive. That makes it sound like some people are born with just straight up, you're, you're set with what you've got and you can't tweak that. No, I do certainly believe, and I don't, it's not even a belief, it's just a, it's a fact. I, I acknowledge that some people are going to have a leg up in certain areas than other people in certain things. There are some people that are just out the gate going to have a better body size to become the heavyweight champion of the world in the UFC as opposed to somebody that doesn't. You can't be a four foot nine Asian girl or so you know South Korean South Korean girl and want to be the or South Korean guy let's say just a really slim slight guy. I guess that's borderline dwarfism. But so, okay, let's say five foot two, five foot three. Or Demetrius Johnson. Let's take a real life person. Demetrius Johnson is five foot three. And he was for a long time until last month, the reigning flyweight, which is the 125 pound division of the UFC. 125 pounds. That's what he would cut down to and step on the scale at but he probably walked around at 140. Maybe, maybe some points in his life he walked around a little bit over 150. That, that would be a little bit surprising to me, but not terribly. I would guess he hovered around somewhere in the one, upper 130s, maybe into the 140s. But he's certainly not ever been, I, I, I would bet, $100 right now that Demetrius Johnson has never been 250 plus pounds. That's not saying that somebody 5'3 can't be 250 plus pounds. They certainly could. But if you're that big, that heavy, on that small of a frame, something probably isn't right. You're probably not in the healthiest state that you could be. I'm five foot five and a half, five foot six, and I walk around at 130 pounds. Could I get up to 140 pounds? Certainly, and I'm actually actively trying to. And could I be healthy at 140 pounds? Absolutely, I, I intend to be healthy at 140 pounds. Could I be healthy at 80 pounds, 
20 pounds under 100 at 80 pounds? I don't think so. Because there's a certain amount of weight that your bones and the skin and your organs weigh, and then the blood in you, and then whatever, however much water you have in you. And if that's, let's say that's 50 pounds of just a, a sack of everything, well then you've gotta get muscle in there because I've gotta be able to move my arms around. 80 pound Dell is a very unhealthy, very weak Dell. That's Dell in a coma for five years or something. I, I, I'm not sure if, I've even got, if I'd even get down to 80 pounds. That's, that's 50 pounds lighter than I'm at right now. 50 pounds, that's, that's not insignificant. That's, a to that's an entire toddler. And on the flip side, what is a, a 340 pound Dell? That's, that's a really big, wide Dell because I'm not going up any taller. Demetrius Johnson at 260 pounds, the heavyweight cutoff for weight is 265 pounds. Brock Lesnar has to cut down a little bit. Stipe Miocic has to cut a little bit, I think. Not, not much. Daniel Cormier was allowed to just kind of eat whatever he wanted, I, I think, because he went up from light heavyweight. Is Demetrius Johnson, could he realistically compete in the 265-pound heavyweight division of the UFC? No, absolutely not. And to think otherwise is absurd. That's just absurd. You see some of these guys when they cut down to weight. Look up pictures of Conor McGregor, uh, Jose Aldo fight weigh-in. He's standing there on the scales and he's screaming. He's like, ah, he's yelling. And he looks really unhealthy. He looks terrible because he's cut so much weight to get down to 145 pounds. Then look at him. Do Conor McGregor, Nate Diaz weigh-ins. And look at him there. He looks like a he looks like an almost different person. The body is so different. Cutting down to 145 pounds that he was at for that Aldo fight, he looks terrible. He looks weak and frail. He looks like he needs to it looks like the body of an old man almost. Like a really ripped old man for sure, but just it doesn't look good. He looks ill. It's like some of the models that you see, some gals where they're just skin and bones like, "Oh, honey, Let's get you some sandwiches. Just sit down and drink a few milkshakes and get some burgers. Oh, you don't, you don't look good. It's, it's, you, you look bad. You look unhealthy. And the same can be said of really big people, really big people. My point, this long-winded thing that I'm getting at is that some people like LeBron James have genetics predisposed for a better result in certain arenas of life than others. That doesn't mean to say that you can't step outside of your lane, but you can't step too many lanes over. LeBron James <laughs> isn't ever going to be a world-renowned jockey. He's not. The guy's a giant. Can you imagine Shaquille O'Neal riding a horse? He could probably stand up over certain horses <laughs> and just the horse could just kind of duck its head and walk under him and then 
Shaquille O'Neal just lifts his legs and okay, horse, off we go. And the horse, oh my God, this very large man on me. <laughs> Please, no. The jockeys, I don't know what how much jockey weigh, how much jockeys weigh, but I think it's like 110, 115-ish pounds, something like that. They're really small guys. They're like five foot, five foot two, somewhere in that range. They're not large individuals because you want a really light guy on a horse that can handle the horse and manage the horse really well, but be really small. You don't want somebody that's 300 pounds on the back of the horse. Can you imagine a horse trying to haul around somebody like uh, the gal that's on the front of the Cosmo right now, Tess, Tess something another, Tess Holloway, Tess Holloway, something like that. Could you imagine the race with the horse that has her on its back versus somebody that has, uh, let's say, a 12-year-old girl that really knows how to ride well. She's been training for the last you know, four years of her life since she was eight years old, and she knows how to ride a horse. Can you imagine that race? That would just be stupid. The horse with the 40-pound the, the girl on it, or you know, 60 or whatever pound girl on it, is going to do a heck of a lot better than the one that has the 300-pound woman on her. <laughs> the horse, the one horse is going to be like, wee, there's somebody on me? Oh, I didn't even notice. And the other one's going to oh, get this, get this off of me. I can't move. Oh, whales aren't supposed to ride horses. All right, that was kind of mean, but you get what I'm saying here, I think. The same is true of mental capabilities. There are some people that are really good at seeing the patterns and the, the what makes up good art. There are some people that are born with a wonderful ear. And yeah, sure, some of that can be tweaked and being born into a musical household where the, both parents play music on a regular basis is going to help foster a musical interest and, and proclivity towards things of a musical nature in the one child versus the child that grows up in a home where that's, I don't know, they talk about bull riding and, and, and NASCAR. The, the kid that's in the bull riding NASCAR home probably isn't going to have, I mean, there are going to be exceptions, of course. I don't want to talk about the exceptions. They're all, those exceptions are a given. But that kid is going to likely have more knowledge in the bull riding NASCAR realm of things as opposed to the kid that was born in the music realm. Like, it's just kind of a given. It's like saying, oh, if you go to school for carpentry, that you're going to know more about carpentry than the, 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 the carpentry trade school than the person that went to the underwater uh, diving weld school. Well, how can you say that? You don't know what the person at the underwater dive school knows. Well, the, given that they went to the underwater dive school, I can probably assume that they know more about underwater diving than the person that went to the carpentry school. Well, how dare you assume? How, yeah, how dare I assume? Give me a break. But people don't want to look at those things sometimes. I mean, not all the time. People just be like, ah, I don't want to look at facts. Facts are difficult to, to comprehend or consider. No, they're not. Just comprehend and consider them. That's all you do. It's very simple. So I guess the best case scenario for learning a thing and being good at a thing is if 
you are born into a situation where you have the body or the mind to do a thing that you also have a hunger for. Somebody, and that makes an extremely potent, extremely potent combination. You get somebody born into a body like LeBron James has, this big, large, muscular body, and that isn't to say that he, he just was born into that, but there are certain genetic things that LeBron James was never going to be a, a, a five foot six Asian woman. He, he just wasn't. That's, that's not what his genetics had him set out to be. And because of that, he's a six foot, I don't know what he is, six foot eight, 200 and some pound man. I don't know how big he is. He's a large individual, which is a great size to be if you want to play basketball, which he does want to play basketball and he's interested in basketball and he also happens to be really damn good at basketball. Now you can have people like Stephen Curry who aren't as big and he's really good at basketball as well. But he's still a larger person than I am. I'm, I'm not sure. Again, I'd have to look it up, but I'm, I'm thinking Steph Curry is at least 5'10". I'm going to guess he's like 5'11". Let's find out. Let's see. Google, give me internet in information here. Going to Google, S-T-E-P, Steph, Stephen Curry. Uh-huh, Steph Curry is uh, six. Okay, so he's 6'3". That's a big guy. I mean, that's... That's a that's a eight inches, nine eight nine inches bigger than I am. That's not insignificant. That's more than half a foot. That, that's what that is. I know I don't know what his weight is, but I would I, again I guess it's at least 180 pounds, 190, 200 something. These are large individuals compared to me. You don't see very many basketball players in the NBA that are under five. 10, I would imagine. I, I'm just kind of guessing there, but I, I doubt there's that many. And I really don't think that you've probably, I don't know what the shortest NBA player has ever been. I'm sure I could find it out if I looked it up, but I doubt it's somebody under five foot. And if it was, it was probably one exception a real long time ago and not certainly not the norm, to, to put it mildly. All right, still not really getting to any answer here. How do you manufacture hunger? I go off on these tangents and I just keep on talking and saying things, but I'm not asking a question or discovering anything. How do you manufacture hunger? How do you manufacture hunger? Well, I think part of the problem is, is that you have to create a deficit in the food that you have. So if all I have to eat the only thing that I have to serve as sustenance are uh, peanuts. My desire for a bowl of ice cream or for a, a slice of pizza probably will raise. Certainly my desire for something other than peanuts all the time. I can certainly imagine myself going, okay, you know, I've had 50,000 calories worth of peanuts in the last two months. It sure would be nice to have something else. Could I get a bowl of cereal or a cup of soup or an ice cream cone? 
or kind of anything other than this. I can imagine that happening. And as I'm saying this, the idea of what is causing my lack of hunger continues to sort of circle around, or maybe I'm circling around it. And I think the problem is, is the internet. Or, or it's, okay, no, 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 no. That, that's, I'm misspeaking there. The problem isn't the internet. That's not the problem at all. That's not, that's like saying that the reason you, you the people get broken legs is because of uh, ice. No, the problem isn't the ice. The problem is the people not being as careful as they ought to be on the ice. The problem is that people aren't being uh, as, as safe as they could be. They're not wearing the right shoes. They're they're not taking their time. They're they're slipping. Sure, accidents happen, but you can mitigate a lot of accidents with a little consideration and, and con- conscious effort to achieve a, a different end than slipping and falling. So, the problem isn't the internet. The problem is my lack of self-control with the internet. The past few days I've been feeling kind of... And not yesterday, but a couple days before that, I was feeling sort of bleh, eh, just sort of... I wouldn't call it depressed just sort of lethargic melancholy just kind of ho-hum la-di-da kind of I don't know not great and I was trying to identify where that feeling was coming from what was the source of this what was happening what was I doing or not doing that was bringing this about And I don't know for certain what the issue was, but I have a pretty strong guess at what was contributing to the problem. And that was my lack of structure in a day. I'd wake up, do a workout, help my wife make breakfast or make it myself as I've been doing this last week. She she requested that I make breakfasts. So I said, okay, no problem. So I've been making breakfast. And then after she would leave for work, from around eight until she got home, my day was just sort of this gobbledygook jumble of a mess. There was nothing really happening. I'd go online, I would derp around on Reddit for a little bit, then I'd go to YouTube, I'd watch a, a video here, and, and any time I do this, it's not something that just happens in 10 seconds. It's, it's three minutes here, it's 12 minutes there, it's eight minutes over here, and suddenly I'm looking at half an hour, and then I go derp around a little bit, maybe I make myself a, a cup of coffee, and then I go to the bathroom, and you know that's another 15 minutes all told. Time just keeps on ticking away. It's not like it pauses to let you do the things and then un- then keeps on going once you're actually doing something productive. No, it just it just goes and goes and goes and drains and drains and drains. You just you're you're using as much as you want wisely, and you're using as much as you want unwisely. It's completely in your power. 
And so I was using most of my time, well, yeah, no, I would definitely say most of my time these past few days in an unwise, completely unproductive manner. I think it was back on Monday that uh, I had decided, I, I, I'm sick of feeling this way because it's been kind of on and off for the past month that this has been happening. <clears throat> so I told myself, okay, tomorrow, I think that was Sunday that I said this, this past Sunday, I'm not gonna allow myself, I'm not allowed to go derping around online until one o'clock, 1 p.m. I have to be productive, I need to write, I need to read, I need to stretch, I need to work out, whatever. I need to do productive things with my time. But then once one o'clock hits, you can do whatever the fuck you want. You can go derping around, you can go look at the, the latest Magic the Gathering news, you can go, it doesn't matter. Do whatever the hell you want. And what happened when I did that was I looked at the time that I would have until one o'clock came around. And suddenly it was, okay, well, from the time that my wife leaves, because when she's around, I want to talk to her and we chat and we, you know, maybe read something together, whatever. We're spending time with each other. <clears throat> Once she's gone, you've got five hours from eight until 1 p.m. that you have to fill. So what are you going to do? You could just sit down and just sort of twiddle your thumbs for five hours, but that seems really stupid. So let's not do that. Okay, we're not going to do that. What else can we do? And suddenly when I looked at it through a completely different frame of mind, I suddenly felt like five hours wasn't enough time because I thought, well, let's see, I want to I wanna meditate at least once. And usually I meditate for 15 minutes or so. So sometimes it's, it's 20, sometimes it's half an hour. It, it just it fluctuates. Sometimes I meditate with a timer where there's, I'm just listening to the sounds of the world. Other times I'm listening to music. Other times I'm going through a, a guided meditation. Somebody's saying, you know, all right, close your eyes and settle yourself, and feel gravity blah, 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 whatever. And so I, my meditation sessions range in length. I want to do that. I'd like to stretch some. I've been slowly working on getting to a point where I can do the splits. It's an ongoing process and it's a lot of pain and un, uncomfortable positioning. It's just kind of how it has to go. Um, so I stretch different ways, open up my tendons to lengthen them. I, I, I think that's what's happening. I've seen some videos on YouTube. How to get to the splits in one day. That's horseshit. I mean, I guess you could if you want to rip some things and be in excruciating pain and may require surgery later on, unless I'm just not understanding something, but I just don't think that unless you're already quite limber, that you're going to be able to do the splits in a day. I mean, maybe a, a child, because their, 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 their ligaments aren't as tight as somebody that's my age or even older. But if you're, if you're my age or you know, even older and you haven't done a ton of stretching, and, and I'm a fairly active individual, all things considered, um, it could be a really difficult thing for you to do. It's quite difficult for me, and... 
whatever. So I want to do some stretching. I'd like to read. I'd like, I want to write my daily story. So suddenly my list of things that I wanted to do were, were, was piling up, was, was, was lengthening. And I thought, boy, I don't know, five hours is enough. And it's all because I told myself that I'm not going to fill my time with other stupid things. I'm going to fill that time instead with productive things. And then that whole plan went out the window Tuesday, Wednesday, and then yesterday I put it back into place and today I will be doing it again except I'm going to extend that time to 3 p.m., which I hadn't decided until I said those words right now. And the reason I'm doing that is because right now it's 10, 10 almost 11, I think. Yeah, it's 11.09. And uh, I'm, I'm just getting home because... I had to go with my wife to where she works so that I could walk to the Secretary of State office to, as I begun this whole conversation, by saying I uh, wanted to get my driver's license. And so I did that. It'll be sent to me in the mail three weeks from now. Okay. Okay, 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 okay. So now, with all that said, what have I discovered, if anything, about hunger, about the hunger, about fostering the hunger, a hunger to learn something? How can I create a desire within myself that wants to get better at something, that truly wants to learn how to do the Rubik's Cube that actually wants to learn Spanish. Not that pretends to want to know how to do to, to learn Spanish, but that actually wants to learn Spanish. How do I do that? Looking for my ID right now. I don't know where I put it. Hmm. Hi. What the heck is it? That's not great. Well, I think the way it's done is by removing the snacks. If you're constantly getting little snacks, it doesn't matter if it's good food or not, you're never going to be hungry for a meal. If you just have a, a bite of candy here and, and some trail mix there and some, some sort of snack bar here, a cliff bar or something, and then you, you have a uh, mocha, fropa, dopa, dupa, dopa, dopa, dupa, da, cappuccino thing that's, you know, 800 calories of caramel, sugary, bleh. You're not going to get hungry. Oh, there it is. There's my idea. But if you cut out the snacking, then you're going to be hungry for an actual meal. Now, what is the snacking? Grabbing my keys in this scenario. seems to me that derping around online is snacking. It's mental snacking. It's not a nutritional meal. Hey, that's not to say you can't get a nutritional meal off the internet. You certainly can. But it's like going to, to Costco. If the internet is Costco or Sam's Club or Walmart or something, the amount of garbage there is certainly outweighs the number of healthy options. Let's say Kroger. You go to Kroger. 
if you were to put into, you just took one item out of each item that there was and put it into a shopping cart until you filled up the shopping cart and then you moved to another one, how many shopping carts would you fill of junk food versus the healthy food? I'm gonna guess it would be a two to one at minimum ratio. Two crappy food shopping carts for every one good food shopping cart. It's probably a lot higher than that. I bet it was probably three or maybe even five to one. Stop snacking. Get hungry. nice being in a basement. Don't have air conditioning, but boy, being even four feet below ground is better than being 20 feet above. Probably sucks to be in an upstairs apartment. All right, well, I'm gonna go ahead and end things there. I think I figured something out, which is amazing. And one of the First times in quite a long, quite a long time where I asked a question on one of my podcasts and actually got somewhere with it. I actually feel like I got somewhere. So if I want to be hungry for an actual skill, I gotta cut out the snacking. I gotta focus on just the meals. Just the meals. What does that mean practically for me? Well, that might be another conversation or something that I just figure out on my own. But for now, I'm gonna go ahead, go ahead and end things here. Wish you a wonderful rest of your day and week. And yeah, I love you, bye-bye.